Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We are your host, Tim and Julie Harris, of course, broadcasting live from slightly north of Austin, Texas, far clear of the storm damage. I was just talking to Julie um, pre-show here. Um, we have someone who works with us named Tom, and he lives down in Houston. And I was talking to Tom uh, this morning, um, offering him a promotion, actually, and asking him about the situation in his neighborhood in Houston about the weather and whatnot. And I asked him this question. You know, this happened about maybe a couple hours ago, so it's fresh in my mind. I asked him, "Are the storm, is the storm damage being hyped up? You know, is this just a big media event, and or is it is it as bad as they say it is?" And then he paused, and then he said, "It's actually far worse." He said that what's happened in essence is that the media. Uh, Houston, in essence, has obviously a lot of mostly lowlands and then some highlands. And his neighborhood in particular is built basically on what amounts to a big hill. He said all the way around his neighborhood, it's a decent-sized subdivision, hundreds of houses. He said all the way around it is surrounded by nine feet of water. <laughs> that's what he said. Now, it's receded a little bit, but in essence, that's still it. So literally, after the storm, his neighborhood was uh, spared, well, at least most of it was, and then the rest of it basically was underneath underneath water, and not just a little bit of water. He said nine and ten feet of water. Um, so, guys, what's happening in Houston is going to be one of those historic events that people talk about for like you know hundreds of years, if not thousands of years. It's going to become something that's far more um, historically significant than Katrina, or you know, I guess this probably will be seen as this in the same level as like what Mount St. Helens was. Um, when that you know exploded, some of you guys I remember, I'm reminding myself are millennials, so you guys don't know about that. But if you go back in history, there's been some significant, you know, uh, I would say nature-caused, uh, really huge bad things that have happened in the past 100 years, and I bet you this is going to be one of the top three. So you know, any help you guys can uh, contribute to the people down in Houston. If you're asked to donate money, donate money. If you're asked to donate time, donate time. If you're asked to donate blood, donate blood. Anything in any way you can do to be of service to those folks, you got to do it. Um, he told me that they're still the grocery stores are still uh, barren. He said the people don't have water. Um, and remember, I talked to him today. He, he told me that uh, the electricity doesn't work. He said that the they're starting to be uh, organized looting. Um, and that they have a curfew. There's basically a form of martial law that's been put over the whole area trying to keep people from going out after 10 o'clock. And um, he said now what the big fear is, it's not even a fear, it's just reality. The next thing that's going to happen after the water does go back and after this, you know, basically you're left to see what the damage is, you're going to have literally millions of houses that are just essentially ruined. If you get, well, all of you do have some experience with mold. But after a storm like that, after they've been sitting in water like that, and these are houses that have had damage on the first floors, the houses are just going to have to be bulldozed. So you're talking about just literally countless people that are going to be, you know, their lives are completely thrown overboard, and you know, no pun intended. And it's going to be that way for them for some time to come. And here we have Christmas is coming, and you know, four months, and all these other things. So please do keep those folks um, at the top of your thoughts. We did a show specifically about this the other day. We included links to American Red Cross and whatnot. And I'm sure in your particular area, there's charities and you know, some you know, fun drives or money, blood, whatever it is you can contribute. I'm sure all of, the, all of you will have opportunities 
opportunities to do that. Again, please seriously consider your fellow Americans and, and do make a contribution at whatever level you can, because it's truly an absolute historical, horrible event that's happened to our country. So please help out, guys. All right, so moving on. Uh, we're going to be talking today about open houses. Now, open houses are something that are oftentimes overlooked as being a powerful lead source because agents don't know how to make them lead sources. So what we're going to do today is we're going to walk through a specific ways that you guys can make money from open houses. And it's funny, we've done similar shows to this before, and it is almost it's fascinating what people's initial reactions are. Oh my god, this is so basic and boring. This is for new agents. And then we Very go deep. through and we tell you guys, yeah, I mean, it's not always the initial the the, the, the know-it-all mm-hmm. agent the top producer who knows it all, who basically doesn't have to do open houses anymore. I mean, their initial attitude for when you present content like this is one of not listening. And then if they do choose to listen, they realize what we're telling them to do is actually very crafty and creative because essentially taking open houses and it's changing the direction of basically how people treat them. So I'm going to give you guys a little – actually, Julie, do you have any shout-outs before before we get to the content? Uh, Just a couple of quick ones. There is a referral on our private Facebook page for our premier members for a buyer in Washington State. I don't know exactly where, but Washington State agents who are premier members, you better go check that out. Uh, Let's see. We have – couple of great bomb bomb videos that students have posted what they're using for that we've got a post from coach Rochelle about how to get unresponsive buyers to get back with you in a specific text message that's been working so that's great and then a shout out to Greg Durrell who's already done 82 BPOs just this month over four thousand dollars in predictable duplicated revenue working the rest of the month on his listing spoke so he's got his bases covered nice job creating your BPO cash flow Greg Durrell Great example there. Uh, let's see, and some discussion about various other things. So just check that out. And there's also a post from uh, our producer, Tim Ventura, about uh, this is related to a previous podcast and a great article about watching your body language during presentations. So some very applicable skills there to check out on the Facebook page. And of course, a huge thank you to those of you who have continued to keep us as the number one best-selling authors of Harris Rules book on Amazon and some recent um, great reviews there. So thank you so much for that. And back to you, Tim. Well, it is. It feels. It, it makes me feel a little swarmy, you know, promoting a book when we have this <laughs> thing going down in Houston. But I'm going to do a little book promotion anyway. I want to thank. Um, I think her name is Nick Nikia. She just literally, as I was listening to Julie uh, uh, talk about the Facebook page, she just literally posted something. It just showed up live on the. Uh, Amazon review page, and it says, uh, this book is an absolute must-have. If you're building your real estate practice in your life of your dreams, you'll love uh, this content and challenge and challenge of learning and mastering the Harris Rules. I'm so thankful for the opp- opportunity to provide feedback on this book and to say thank you for Tim and Julie for an absolutely amazing mindset, action, and wealth-building uh, book. And, guys, the, it's a five-star rated book. It's a number one bestseller. Um, on Amazon. It's exceeded our expectations, to be honest with you. The book just went for sale in a Kindle version last week. It's not too late for you guys to grab your Kindle version. It's only 99 cents. We're only in the pre-marketing phase. Uh, The 15th of September, the book is going to become a soft cover, and then probably first quarter of next year, we're going to do an uh, audible version of it. Did I say it right? Audible. I think I did. Audible. Well, whatever. I give up. All right. So anyway, that's going to happen early next year. So get your uh, Kindle version now, and please, guys, read it. And then we would seriously appreciate 
um, a review. Since last week, we've had well over 1,000 sales of the book, so it's a huge runaway success. It's kind of fascinating, Julie. I don't know if I told you this, but the average book that gets published nowadays, because there's so many different book publishers and whatnot, only it sells like, what did I tell you? It's like 60 total copies, yeah. and st- uh, statistically mm-hmm. half of which are bought by the author. Yeah, so it's yeah. kind of amazing and their mom, how unsuccessful their grandma. Yeah, how exactly grandma, Christmas presents, kindling yep. if they're down in Houston. Yeah. So look, guys, uh, thank you for making the book so successful. We sincerely appreciate it. If you've not grabbed your book yet, please go do that. And after you've reviewed a couple chapters, we uh, please do consider giving us a review. It is wonderful to see that we've had 100% five-star reviews. It's pretty it's just awesome. It is. All right, Julie. So let's just jump in. Yes. Um, and uh, we'll t- yeah. So jump in. The, the, first all of all, right. I'm going to set this call up. I'm going to set this up a little bit, Julie. You don't have this in your notes, I don't believe. Yep. So I want you guys to realize. Hold on, make sure you don't. Yep. No, you don't. Okay. So listen. Here's a simple fact. And guys, I'm not going to give you all the analytical facts. I'm just going to cut to the punchline. The best buyers are driving neighborhoods. They, the worst buyers are starting are looking on the internet. There it is, okay? So I've just saved you a bunch of time and energy. And it just makes sense. If you're just casually thinking about purchasing a house, or if you're a house voyeur, you know, or you're being voyeuristic about houses, if you know, that type of thing, you're going to the you know, Zillow and Realtor.com. That's where you're going. So the least motivated buyers are searching online. That is a statistical fact. What people have a tendency to do is they start where the resistance is least, where it's obviously going online, and then after they've searched out particular price ranges and styles of homes, then they start drilling down, and they look for uh, particular types of neighborhoods. So when you're holding an open house and a buyer walks in, even if they just, I mean, got, obviously you get the occasional tire kicker, but for the most part, those are people that have probably been in the market you know, for months have probably been searching for months online and are now just getting serious. Now, here's some, some more fun facts for you. Um, it is, again, a simple fact, and this will make, you know, piss off the seasoned veterans and it will make the new agents happy. Most people work with the first realtor they meet. Fact. So most people will work with you if you just meet them in an open house. Fact. And it's also a fact that the best buyers are looking uh, at open houses because they've already taken themselves to the sifting and sorting online. They've already driven neighborhoods. They've already got an idea how far they want to be from work, from church, from wherever else, the places that are important to them. And so when they're driving around, you're going to open houses on Saturdays or Sundays, even though they might just look like casual lookers, and some of them are, they're actually not wasting their time and making the effort to get out of their you know, situations and walk through the open house unless they're actually serious. Because if they're just looky-loos, they're looking on the internet. So you have to accept the fact and understand the fact that most of the best buyers out there that are going to open houses do not have a realtor. Now I know they'll say, sometimes say they have a realtor unless they have buyer agency contracts signed. And, and we're going to talk about that. They don't have a realtor. You need to ask. Sometimes they'll say, I talked to a realtor. Are you working with that realtor exclusively? Is that agent showing you houses? And if the answer is no, that realtor or that buyer is fair play. There's no agency or uh, relationship you have to worry about. And if you do come across somebody who is working with an agent and they do have an agency relationship, I want you to call that agent who they said they were working with and say, hey, your buyers came through my open house. They might be interested in it. You guys see how that works? So, you know, don't just back off if the buyer tries to indicate that they're working with somebody. Don't, you know, just ask them They don't even know what that means. Nine times out of ten. Exactly. That's the whole thing. They don't know what working with somebody means. That's a really, really good point. So Which, there's your by the way, it's big... not their fault. It's their agent's fault for not making it clear what it means to work with a buyer's agent, but that's a yeah. Oh, I called some I called some agent and I had a conversation with them. 
You know, so if you, as a casual agent in an open house, say, are you working with somebody? You know, they're going to go, well, I don't know what the hell that means. So I'll say yes, you know, because maybe I don't feel like having a conversation right now, you know. And so they'll just say that, whereas you guys, as a professional salesperson, need to recognize the fact that they don't know what that question meant. So you need to ask some more drill-down questions. So what are your three takeaways so far? The best buyers are driving open houses. Buyers work with the first agent they work with. And, again, most of the buyers that are looking are also, this is the third point, most of the buyers that are looking, depending on the price point, probably 50% are also going to have houses to sell. So I want you to write those three points down. This is the reason we want you doing open houses, okay? Now, we're going to define for you where, what types of neighborhoods and what price points and all the rest of it. Because you could do an open house in a condo community that's behind three, three gates, and you're not going to get anybody. You're just going to waste your time. So we're going to give you some suggestions on how to target the right houses to hold open and all that good stuff. So make sure you're taking great notes. And uh, office managers and whatnot, please do share this information with your agent. So I need to fill up my uh, uh, cup of coffee. And when we come back, we're going to pick up on point number one. Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris is brought to you in part by Firepoint. The real estate industry is changing, and you don't want your team to be left behind. You know that long-term success is built on staying one step ahead of your larger competitors. Firepoint is built by disruptors for disruptors like you. Firepoint is more than just another CRM. With Firepoint, know where your leads are coming from, Communicate quickly and easily with your team and know your true return on investment. Firepoint is the solution for those who are or who want to be at the cutting edge of the real estate industry. Schedule your demo at firepoint.net today. We're getting a lot of good feedback on Firepoint. You guys, uh, those of you guys who are doing business with them really like the CRM. I think it's cool. That's the reason that we accepted their sponsorship because it does have a lot of cool widgets that the other um, CRMs don't offer. You know, so definitely check them out. Okay, so, Julie, top yes. five reasons to love open houses, point number one. Yes, and of I think course we have to start yes, with this to make sure that they yeah. get it. Okay, and we'll go fairly quickly through this because you have touched on some. Number one, yes, serious buyers do go to open houses, and in fact, 20% of them are going to open houses so they can make a decision this weekend. They are urgent. Be the agent to write the contract with them. Yes, they seem like buyers, but they're also sellers in buyer's clothing. Here's your script. Which home in the area do you plan on selling? Pretty simple, and especially as you go higher price ranges, of course they're going to have a house or a condo or something to sell first. Another fact, 30 to 50% of open house visitors do have a home to sell, and even more when you go up on price. We talked about that, but most agents don't know that because they never ask. Why do you guys sometimes resist open houses? Oh, I already have too many buyers. Oh, okay, what if they're a buyer that has a house to sell? Do you have too many listings? I think not. Point number two, it's a great place to meet the nosy soon-to-list neighbors. Neighbors come to open houses to see how their house stacks up versus the price of their neighbor's house. That is a fact. Point number three, build your future business through making maximum contacts in minimum time. This is, an efficient, pres- this is efficient prospecting when you do it right. You'll be amazed how much future business you'll get by uh, doing consistent and well-executed opens. I'll give you a quick Immediate example, one of my private clients in Portland, Oregon, newest listing she's taking this weekend, $1.3 million. Where did they come from? An open house six months ago in the building across from their building. Nosy neighbor, next to list, too soon to tell, great business from open houses. 
So when you have an open and it seems like you didn't get anything, think of Kelly's story, 1.3 million, because they liked her at an open house, just saying. Point number four, the seller whose home you're holding open will love you when you do your open house the right way. Keep your sellers happy. They expect open houses. Give up the fight and do the open house right. You are almost always going to lose when you resist doing opens with your seller. And why is that? Because it's one of the only tangible things that they see you doing and because HGTV and Bravo make it look like open houses sell houses. Maybe one or two out of ten will have some problem with an open house. They're just too private to have that going on. They're not into it. It's inconvenient. They've got a newborn, whatever. Those people, fine. You absolutely don't have to do opens for them and respect their wishes. But the rest of them, don't get argumentative about it. They expect it, so you might as well monetize it and keep them happy at the same time. Point number five, and then we'll take a little breath. Uh, open houses force you to be in front of people. More contact equals more contracts. Polish your skill and stop being a secret agent. This is a great way to get some of your sales skill polished. For those of you who are a little bit more introverted and a little weird about being in sales and you just get nervous still around people and not sure what to say, open houses are a great way to fix that challenge and to really um, you know, use your scripts and meet maximum people in minimum time. It's very efficient. So anything you want to add to why they should open, uh, love open houses? Other than the fact you've got a little rap going on today. I don't know if the listeners are picking. <laughs> Give up the fight and do, and do them right. And then what was right. the other one? You had, you had three little rappy oh. things today. <laughs> no, I think I wrote this originally when I was working on the book, and it just was flowing well. <laughs> I don't know. Sister's got um, some soul. I guess. I don't know. Don't count on it lasting, though. So, uh, so yeah, here's another exactly. thing, just to convince them if they're not already. Open house math. Point number yeah. one, hold open houses every weekend as a rule until you have a minimum of three AAA buyers at all times. Buyers. I said buyers. That's right. Once you put a buyer in contract, replace with another AAA buyer so you're never without three. Now, why do we coach this? Coming from us, who you know we're very pro-listing agent, and we coach all of you to lead with listings. Well, because doing this ensures you will never, ever, ever have a lean month. It's, I think of it as the mortar between the bricks. The bricks are your listings closing. The mortar keeps everything together in case one of those tanks. Maybe you're getting into the holidays and you have three out of five of your listings say they want to take a break. Well, guess what? If you don't have three active buyers you're working with, you're going to have a pretty dry January coming up if all of your sellers decide to take a break. So it's like your little buyer insurance policy against going broke. Point number two, when you work at least three AAA buyers at all times, two of them will close per month minimum. Just doing that, you know, 24 deals, just saying. Okay, so on to point number three. Let's say that's two deals per month times your average net commission to you equals fill in the blank. Let's say your average net commission is $5,000 per deal. That's 10,000 per month just from open houses. That's 120 grand a year. Even if your numbers are half of that, open house math still makes a lot of sense. Now, grizzled veterans, point number four is for you. If you're already doing better than this in your business, add open houses as a viable spoke done right and add that, say, 60 to 120,000 to your existing business. Use the added income to pay off debt, buy a rental, pay for an assistant, or upgrade your car. If you're not going to embrace that, that means maybe those things just aren't that important to you. That's up to you. 
And then we're going to get into open off. house prospecting rules. Yes, and you well, take it. Let's anyway. level off. So I'm going to. I don't say this in your notes, so I don't think I'm stepping on your toes at all. Mm-hmm. When you guys are doing an open house, you got to think about the exact experience. And you know, this is going back to something we're borrowing from our, uh, you know, someone we dearly loved, Howard Brenton, who passed away a while ago. So Howard used to basically call it moments of truth, and he had a really great uh, presentation on this. But the essence of it was, as a moment of truth is uh, at any point where somebody comes in contact with your business. Now, Howard was mostly uh, a speaker, you know, really before the Internet, mostly during the 90s. And so the moments of truth then were a hell of a lot easier to uh, master. I mean, you had signs and you had your the phone and you had maybe your office and you had, you know, if you drilled down even more, you had your appearance and you had things like that. So your moments of truth then were, you know, there may be five or six of them. But now you have like dozens of moments of truth. Um, you know, and, I, and I'm going to drill this back down to uh, open houses, but I, you guys need to consider that. You're, every place where someone comes in contact with you, all the social networking profiles, all the places they see your signs, again, the Howard thing, all the places they might come across you when they Google you, all the things that you maybe say on Facebook that you maybe shouldn't be saying because it makes you look like a boob, all those types of things, those all become moments of truth. Now, with regards to an open house, what is the experience that people should have when they walk into an open house? And here's a typical experience when you walk into an open house, because Julie and I do this. We go to open houses, you know, and so we'll walk into an open house, and there's nobody there to greet us. Well, this is awesome. And then you continue to walk through the house, and then you'll come to the back of the house, and there'll be an agent sitting there, usually curled up with their laptop on their cell phone with a cup of coffee who doesn't even, oh, hi, please sign in. Yeah, right, like I'm going to give you my information. And they're just sitting there and absolutely making no attempt whatsoever to engage me in any kind of conversation that might be beneficial to me. Like, please sign in. That's their their way of saying, please give me something just for the sake of me being able to hassle you, even though I'm not really going to earn your business. I want you to give me, you know, your phone number so I can call you and just do a further crappy sales job. You know, because right now I'm demonstrating how crappy of a salesperson I am, the very fact that I'm not even trying to acknowledge the fact you walked into my open house. Do you guys get the point? So when you're doing open houses, have your cell phones off, have your computers closed, and be ready to engage folks in conversation. You don't have to basically be all over them like a wet blanket. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is you have to be able to have at your fingertips really great market knowledge. You're going to want to go into the MOS prior to doing the open house, and so you're not caught with saying, I don't know. You want to be having a complete CMA done on the overall neighborhood and maybe acknowledge that there's competing neighborhoods and having a, uh, a CMA done on those neighborhoods as well. Have a list of all – a paper list of all the houses that are for sale. Now, here's the reason. Here's a little trick with the paper list. I want you to have in your hand when you're talking to people a list of all the houses that are for sale and only have one copy of it, and you're not going to give it away because when you're talking to them, you can refer to the list that's in your hand, and they're going to want to see the list, (laughs) so they're going to engage in conversation with you. You guys get it? So it's a little bit of a ploy, but it does work. If you just simply say, hey, what's your email address? I'll just send you a bunch of listings. You're just being lazy, and you're doing the same thing everyone else is doing, and that buyer is going to get you know, emails. That Remember, that buyer probably has a house to sell. They're going to get emails from three or four realtors. They're not even going to remember you from the next one. will make no difference. You might as well not even have come in contact with them. But if you say you have a list, have it in your hand. Say, listen, I have a list of all the houses that are for sale here. Would you like to check it out? And then go put it down on the kitchen counter and go through the list with them and have them write down the ones they want to maybe consider driving by. You guys get it? 
So here's another thing. Maybe consider having a list of houses for sale. Maybe if you have access to inventory that's not yet for sale, that's ultimately what buyers want. If you think about what a buyer's motivation is, it's to buy a house. And the way you create value for yourself is you basically have access to properties or information about communities that they can't readily get. The information about communities that they can't readily get, good luck with that because everything's available online. So your ultimate hook is going to be a list of uh, properties that might fit their requirements that they are, do not know about. That is going to instantly give you rock star status in their minds. Julie, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And you can find those. You don't even necessarily have to give all of the information, you know, so they call you, so you have a conversation. You can know about for sale by owners. You can know about uh, right. Zillow Make Me Move, fellow agents yep. coming soon, pocket listings, all of these things. I always use the example, Tim, that if you got your license today and I was your broker and I said, here are the 10 ways to find property for your buyers, not just go check the MLS. You would just think it was normal to do all those things. But how many grizzled veterans are like, oh, that's too much work. I'll just use the MLS, and something will pop up eventually. Yeah, meanwhile, your buyer's going to go wander into a new construction model and write on that without you, just saying. Okay, so on to open house prospecting rules. That's right. We're going to turn this into a prospecting event. Should have warned you ahead of time. It's okay. You can, you know, sit down. Number one, you must use 10 directional signs minimum Ask permission to place signs and connect with the homeowners who allow you this courtesy. So don't just place it in their sign and then get mad when they take it down because you didn't ask permission. Turn it into a prospecting thing. Invite them to your open house. Ask them who they know who would love to move into their neighborhood. Who could you be calling that just is dying to move in here? Make it a positive thing. Okay. And we like allthingsrealestatestore.com for directional signs. They have some really nice, classy-looking things in their collection, so check that out. I think you get a discount if you use Premier for being a podcast listener. And our coaching clients uh, also get a nice discount. So allthingsrealestatestore.com for those directionals. Point number two, choose the right house to hold open. This is so critical. Some of you guys think open houses suck because you didn't do the right house. Okay. So, Tim, you mentioned don't be behind three gates and up a twisty road and only one sign out and expect it to work. You've got to choose the right house. First-time buyer houses or first-move-up houses in popular schools, great neighborhoods, nice curb appeal, avoid gated communities if possible. Back to you. We don't have enough time to – We don't. well, I mean, you need to – I don't want to blaze this through the next segment. This is going to be a Tuesday uh, show, too. Exactly, because I don't want to blaze through this content because the next bit of it's really important for them to get tr immediate traction. That last point's really important, guys. The best houses to hold open are going to be either first-time homebuyer houses or they're going to be move-up homebuyer houses. And if you're going to do in the move-up, well, even in any price range, I, one of the questions I want you to remember to ask, and do not be a wuss about this, <laughs> but someone's going to hashtag, don't be a wuss. I know they are, <laughs> but don't be a wuss about this. Listen, here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to always ask if they have a house to sell, but ask this way. By the way, which house in the, uh, which house in the area are you thinking about selling? You don't, don't say neighborhood because sometimes that will pigeonhole it too much, and they'll, they'll say, well, I don't have a house in the neighborhood. I'm thinking about moving to the neighborhood. Well, you asked the wrong question. They're not then going to follow up and say, but I do have a house across the street to sell or across the way to sell or you know, you know, two neighborhoods away to sell. They won't tell you that if you ask a bad question. So I want you to say, which house in the area are you thinking about selling? Now, if you ask a question like that and they're going, coming through an open house and you ask a direct question and you smile and you look at them, 
They're going to tell you the truth. And by the way, that's also a killer question to ask when someone's calling about when your house is for sale. That's part of our buyer script. Don't wait until you know, essentially you're three-quarters into a conversation to ask if they have a house to sell. You always ask that as one of the first two or three questions, and then you'll start pulling out listing leads. Remember what every single research project in the history of research projects about real estate has proven to you. Most of the buyers out there have properties to sell. The property they have to sell might not be the one that they're living in. They might have a rental property to sell. So you always got to be thinking in terms of sell, 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 because every transaction generally equals three other transactions. And you got to look for them, and you, they will not hand you the deals. You have to ask. That's the key. You just have to ask the questions. When you're asking questions that could result in some form of rejection, that's when you're doing your job. There's another hashtag for those of you guys who are hashtagging. Right. <laughs> right? All right, listen, guys, I am serious. Please do make a contribution as much as you can to the folks in Houston. We're coming up on a weekend. There's going to be charity drives all over the country. Please participate in some level, whatever way you can financially or however you can with your time. Like I said, Julie and I are donating blood and we're donating money. And I really, you know, I, special props, actually, insanely mad props and respect to Keller Williams. So Keller Williams had um, a, their big homecoming event that was going to be taking place in Austin next week. And they rented out the big, you know, convention center down in Austin and all the rest of it. But people, the, um, you know, uh, the people that are displaced from the storm are staying in, in Austin and there's no hotel rooms. And so, you know, the, the convention center is, you know, just it's, it's a, I'm telling you guys, it's a huge, scary, horrible thing. So uh, here's what Keller Williams did. They basically are still having people come in. So there's still going to be tens of thousands of Keller Williams agents from all over the world. They're going to fly into Austin. And then they are actually going to put all those people to work. They're going to take all the, the Keller Williams agents that are uh, – there's tens of thousands of them. You guys watch. It's going to be all over every news station. This is the most, most dramatic, wonderful example of being of contribution that I've seen in the real estate industry in just about forever from Keller Williams. So all the agents are basically – I assume most of them, if not all – all of them are going to be volunteering and being assigned to specific tasks. And they're going to be given a lot of shit work. And these are, again, tens of thousands of Keller Williams agents. There's 160 some thousand Keller Williams agents. And I think their last homecoming had something like 80,000 of them uh, fly in. So let's assume that 60,000 fly in. There is, it's going to be a wash with people wearing red shirts that say Keller Williams on it, that are making a contribution, that are going to be doing vol volunteer work, the real work that's necessary after an epic storm like Harvey. So so guys, there's an example. I think we, regardless of what company you work for, we all have to give respect to Keller Williams for being and, and showing true leadership during times of strife. Other brokerages, you guys can do this on a smaller level. Obviously, large brokerages, we have a lot of big brokers that listen to us, do consider being part of the solution and not just watching CNN. If there's anything we can do for you guys, please feel free to email us, Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.